Good morning. Um, I'm excited about the opportunity that uh, each one of you are affording me this morning. Uh, we, we talk a lot in Scripture about the significance of words and the Lord's hour. And uh, this hour that has been granted to me, uh, as, as you come and I speak and share with you the things the Lord has put on my heart, I pray it is profitable and good. The Lord's hour always produces something beyond what we are expecting or we're aware of. And so um, this morning, uh, I'm thankful that Brother Tracy and Brother Allen have uh, asked me and given me this opportunity, and then that you have made the effort to be here, uh, that we might look at the Lord's Word together. Um, For those of us who are the young preachers, you know, this is one of the most difficult times because we sit out, we often sit and look at those who know more than we do as critics, Okay, instead of uh, teaching. So the Lord's been very gracious this year. He's allowing me to teach some things out of Timothy, you know, instead of, I, and instead of some other places. So uh, I'm excited about that. You know, it's pretty clear. Timothy, uh, Paul makes it pretty basic and simple so that things will work well for him. Um, if you will this morning, turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 18. And this is where I'd like for us to, to begin There are several things that different ones of the speakers have already said that were a confirmation and encouragement to me in in, in the time of study leading up to this. And as Brother Royce last night mentioned, uh, the kingdom of the heaven and the kingdom of God, uh, this intimate place in Matthew, we do see the Lord interact differently and put a great emphasis on His being the Father, His love, His grace, grace, and His mercy. And out of that, we find a couple of parables, instruction that, as different ones, as Brother John mentioned this morning, John teaches us a whole, gives us a whole different view of things than Matthew and Luke. And so this morning, I want, I want you to keep that in mind. As Brother Carl mentioned, most of us do not want to be in school. Most of us, we spend our whole lives, if I could just get out of school, if I could just, if I didn't have to learn, how unbiblical, how lazy, I'm one of those people. (laughs) Uh, I couldn't wait to get out of school. I wanted to do something different. And now then, guess what the Lord's put me in? School. So as we've been in process... I think what we're going to look at this morning is so important in light of the things that I've mentioned and that that different ones have mentioned this morning, even. In Matthew chapter 18, we begin, at the same time, the disciples came unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, if we're honest this morning... What should be our desire? We often say it's terrible that they wanted this position. How many of you want your your team, your uh, athlete, your whatever, to be at the bottom of the, the standings? You want them to win it all. And sometimes in the name of modesty, guess what? We all desire to be great down deep because that's what the Lord's called us to this morning is to have dominion, is to occupy a place to the best of our ability. Now then, as we look just a little further, Jesus called a little child unto him and said in the midst of them. 
And he said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's hard for us. Because what do all of us want to be? Anybody want to be a child? Think of all the things that happen to children. They're at the mercy of everyone else, are they not? When they're first born, if they're fed, it rests upon someone else. If they're taken somewhere, if they get new clothes, if they have things, who does it rest upon? It should rest upon the father and the mother to do what? How many of us like to be dependent on others? What do we spend our lifetimes as Americans doing? Becoming free from everyone else. Now, I'm not going to live with my kids. Sometimes the kids say the same thing. (laughs) Where there's close relationship, where there's desire, where there's investment of a father and a child, who are we supposed to desire to go to spiritually? Our Father, which aren't in heaven. Dependence creates relationship. I love to see you maturing couples as you care for one another. Drink. Know what's best for you. I know you. It's because we spent time together that we what? We interact differently because of relationship. Now then, I've, this discussion's been had several times this week. You know, I, I was really anxious for my kids to grow up because I was tired of brushing teeth and doing all those things that go with parenting. And I would tell Jaren, will they ever be able to do these things themselves? And now then we sit at the table and everyone takes care of all those things. They take their plates and put them up and they come and they have these conversations with me perplexed about spiritual things, even about earthly things. And do you know how sweet that fellowship is? I would brush a teeth another few months uh, to have that, that privilege. But it's because of this relationship here that we have relationship here. And so this morning, don't overlook dependence. We're called the body of Christ. We're supposed to function together. And guess what we always desire to do if we're not careful? To be independent. Childlikeness is so important. Now then, you say where you're going. We're getting ready to take off and go somewhere. But I have to give you a little bit of a a footing of what what I I understand the Lord wants us to see. In verse 5, And whosoever shall receive one of such little child in my name receiveth me. What is receiving about? Y'all ever received a gift? This Samaritan woman remembered a gift, didn't she? Gifts are remembered. It's about giving and receiving. Relationship. Now then, we're going to skip forward just a little bit and we're going to pick up in verse 15 when relationships do not work so well. Do you remember what happened in the Garden of Eden this morning? Things got out of sorts, did they not? And there was need for what? 
relationship with God. Now let's look in verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Now then, how many of us like to engage this process? See, this is an area we're called to have dominion in. What are we called to take action on? Offenses, trespasses. Do you know what we're very slow to do? But do you know where you start with the child? It's called child training. How many of you teachers in here, and I see several teachers, like to be working with, a, with 12th graders or with college students who are bickering and fussing? You say, I'm not, no, 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 you learned that when? First, second, third grade. I'm not dealing with that here. You're here for me to teach you chemistry, algebra, whatever it is you're there for. And do you know what I find sometimes among some of us? Do you know what we, we struggle with taking care of? That's the beauty of, like with my wife, you know, you learn over the years you can deal with this now or you can deal with this later. If you deal with it now, what? A lot more peace, a lot more fellowship, a lot more productivity, a lot more honoring of the Lord. But do you know what we think works differently in our churches? It can even be amongst our churches. What do we not like to do? We say it's childish. You know, I feel bad. You know, Brother Mark, you offended me, and I sure do hate to say anything about it. What, how does the Lord say we're supposed to go? Do y'all know what children will do? Children are more likely to apologize than who? Adults. And if we're going to be childlike, what do we have to learn to do? And this is important because the next thing I want us to look at is in verse 21 of Luke of. Matthew 18, I'm sorry. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? How many of y'all have forgiven somebody seven times in one day? They've come and asked you to forgive them seven times in one day. Not a hand's gone up in here. So this would have covered most everybody. Can't we agree? But the Lord does what? Let's look at what he says. Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. 490. We go back to Genesis. All these places where we have these numbers, these things. We're not, we're not going to get off there this morning. So what does he do after this? He says, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. Now, I want to ask you, all you preachers, do y'all enjoy preaching on this particular parable about the kingdom of heaven? There's no reward. There's nothing at the end of this to really say, wow. It's just something that teaches us about what? Loss. 
Let's look as we go through this. And when he began to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife, children, and all that he had, and payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. This is a great story, is it not? A story that I hope all of you this morning have experienced what? The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Now let that sink in for a minute. Because without that, what would we have? Nothing. For God so loved the world that He did what? Forgave. Now, how many of us want to be Christ-like? Do you know who He forgave? There's one fellow here that wants to be. I'm with him. I'm with you. I want to be. So, for the next few days when we're having to do a lot of forgiving or a lot of seeking for it, just remind us we said we wanted to be <laughs> Really? What did He do? Do you know what we're begrudging about giving? Is a child forgive, uh, begrudging about giving forgiveness? No. They grant it and what? Do they remember it? My kids are much better at forgetting what I have done wrong than I am forgetting what they have done wrong. And guess who's better at asking for forgiveness? There are no other fathers in here, evidently. Wish some of y'all had had children. It was... Y'all would have related to me a little bit there. Now look what he goes on to say. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. Now do you know what happens oftentimes when we're freed? We don't discipline ourselves to do what? What has just happened to us. And we're going to see in just a moment, I hope, when we get to Timothy, uh, the importance of this. Look what happens next. And his fellow, servants fell, his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. This is the same words that he used. It was, a, again, we know a very trivial amount in comparison. We're not going to look at that. Let's see what happens next. And he would not... But went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. How many of you have compassion on someone who will not forgive? Do you know what it usually makes us? Y'all know what it makes me with my kids if one of them will not forgive one of the others and let something go? Do you know what it makes me? It makes me angry. They won't do what I want them to do. Do you know what this certain king is going to become? Angry. Now let's see. So I tell my kids, see, I'm righteous. <laughs> like the Lord. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant. What did he call him? 
wicked, a wicked servant. Why? Because he didn't do what? He said, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desired me to. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Who did he want his servant to be like? Him. Who does the Lord want us to be like? Like Him. What does it take to be like Christ? We're going to look in a minute, hopefully, and see this. But look what he says. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. This is a parable about the what? The kingdom of heaven. Why does the Lord put such value on forgiveness? And we we have a lot of nice things to say about, you know, if you forgive others, you free yourself. That's right. This man ends up what? Bound. So I I agree with that. But it's about exercising something else. And I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy now, and we'll spend the remainder of our time uh, here in 1 Timothy. And I want to ask you some questions before we go a little bit, a little bit further. We know that uh, in 1 Timothy 1.1, we, we get uh, a, a little introduction. And then we find out that unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. This was a what kind of relationship? Close. It was personal. Paul didn't say this about everyone. Some people were his fellow laborers and and, and these different terminologies. But what does he say about Timothy? My son in the faith. It was about a close, a personal relationship. One who was a son is to carry on what? And it's important to us, but it's not important to us in the way that it was maybe in Jewish culture. What did everyone desire? What did women want? It wasn't just men. They wanted a, a son that things might be carried on. What is Paul? He, he goes over the labor, the struggle, the things he went through to establish the things that the Lord had given him. And now then he's saying, my son, I want you to take this forward. It's based upon what? How do we know about God the Father's love? Through the... Son, not what he said, but what he did. How important is that in our lives? We know lots of things, but do they propel us to do? Okay, so let's look. Um, I want you to pick up with me in chapter 2 and verse 1 because this is election year here in the States. And I want to ask you, we often hear, pray for your leaders. Why do we pray for leaders? Honestly. Mothers pray differently than fathers for leaders. I have three sons, 18 to 15. You know what my wife desires? 
peace. Guess what she doesn't want? She doesn't want war. Because what would it mean? Relationships are what? Important. You invest lots in a son or a daughter's life. Okay? Fathers, what do we pray for? We're Jewish. Economics. That's what we pray for, right? Good jobs. That makes it easy for us to do what? Provide for our families. We can pray on very skewed purposes and views, can we not? But Paul tells Timothy clearly why we're to pray for our leaders. And it's not for those things. Do you know what it's for? You hear, you're hearing all these things about praying in our nation for our leaders, for who's going to be. What are we pray, why are we praying? Let's look at what Timothy is told. And this really does have something to do with what I want us to look at. He says, I exhort thee that first of all supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Why are we to pray for our leaders? That we can do what? Lead a quiet and peaceable life in what? Godliness. What does godliness mean? And I did consult the dictionary. It's interesting. There are words that they're just were on and on and on and on up giving you definitions. When it comes to godliness, do you know, do you know I looked in several diff, different diction, dictionaries, and you know what? You can't find two sentences in any of them. You get one. Godliness, the quality or state of being godly. Okay, it was really insightful for me too. (laughs) Godly, now then, what does godly mean? Divine, devoutly conforming to the will of God. Do you know why we are to pray for our leaders? So we have the opportunity to devoutly conform ourselves to the will of God. What happens when there's not peace? In war, is there the opportunity to do those things? In upheaval, can we do those things? We're busy doing what? Ladies, what happens when 10 extra people show up at your house? Is it a time of peace and tranquility? At our house, we're putting things under beds and trying to, you know, we're trying to, where are those dishes? Where's that fork, right? That order that should be taking place day by day is revealed in what? The absence of quietness and peace. And what is Paul trying to prepare Timothy for? What was going to come in Timothy's life? What was going to happen to Paul? Paul was going to die. And the responsibility was going to be his. So what was he preparing him for? To be able to pick up the mantle, to move forward. All of us, especially older men in here, as I get older, do you know what my number one concern is? Who is going to pick up the mantle of these truths? Who is going to be faithful to the end? Who is going to stand if things get worse and worse and worse? And we've seen them get worse and worse and worse. Who's going to do that? 
It takes a more seasoned individual to do it than ever before. In my grandparents' age, there were a lot of people who were godly who were not even associated with God. It was the cultural norm. Now then, guess what the cultural norm is? Ungodliness. There's, it's easy to see a contrast, is it not? Now let's look at what uh, this, this word honesty also is, 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 is gravity. Um, and, and within that, it means with reverence. I want you to think about how many things in our lives are godly and reverent. Y'all give me some things. What are some things in our lives, big things, that are reverent, ordered, and godly? What do almost almost everyone here struggle with? Do any of y'all struggle with maintaining order? The women are shaking their heads. Then I see a couple of men who are pretty busy, and they say, "Mm, yes. Why? Now then, let's skip forward to chapter... And so that you know, in chapter 2 and verse 10, this is a different godliness that's mentioned with women, and we're not going to look at that this, this morning. I want us to look in chapter 3 and verse 14. These things write unto you, hoping to come unto you shortly. He's established order in the church. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is, in the, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, what did he want him to be able to maintain in the church? Order. What do we struggle with? Ask the pastors in here, what do you struggle with? Do any of y'all struggle with maintaining order in the church? I tell them I have more people with good ideas than I know what to do with. And sometimes the end of it does not lead to what? Quietness, reverence, orderliness so people can worship. What are we always looking for? Y'all don't know. Y'all are such a content group of people. We're going to get over that to you. Y'all are all content. You're happy with everything as it is. And just, y'all look great this morning, though, in this state, okay? When we get back there to the lunch table, we'll see the grabbing and things take place. Then we won't be so content. Look in verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Here's our definition of godliness. Do y'all want our definition of godliness? Paul gives it to Timothy. God was manifest in the flesh. The seed of the woman. God gave the seed of the woman. And we have the Lord Jesus Christ. And how did he come? In the flesh. Do you know what he did? He came as a servant to that that he had created. That's humility, is it not? Is that not what the Lord was teaching us back? The humble forgive how? You ever been to someone who's humble? Oh, they're the best. It's when you go to someone who's not. Have your helmet on. You're going to get hit. Y'all have not done this a lot because some of y'all did not smile. Okay. Practice, practice. Now then, look what he says. Justified in the spirit 
seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in mankind, and received up into glory. That's our pattern for godliness. To humble ourselves in the flesh. Remember what the Lord did with His disciples? He girded Himself and He did what? He washed their feet. What does it look like to be godly? The Lord Jesus gives us lots of pictures. Who did He entertain? We talked about it this morning. This woman at the well, what did He do? It was part of the Father's plan for Him. Look what happens. I want us to, to, to skip forward just a little bit to chapter 4 and, and pick up in verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Timothy is full of contrast, is he not? Do this, don't do this. But lots of those in there, lots of contrast. Now I want you to see, what did he tell us to do? Exercise unto godliness, becoming like God. God the Father or God the Son? God the Son, that's right. Somebody got that. Who would we rather be? Y'all rather be a father or a child? Are y'all perplexed? No right answer. Which would you rather be? It's better to be a child. You know, there's a lot less stress. It's a lot more comfortable. It's all of those things. There's nothing to control but occasionally yourself so you don't get in trouble, right? But at our hearts, do you know what we'd rather be? God the Father. We'd rather be righteous and pass out judgment, have we not? Honestly? When someone cuts you off on the interstate in a few minutes... All of you are like, oh, I'm so glad I could hit my brakes and let you in. That's what you think, right? (laughs) You're not a servant. Do you know what you are? You're a king judging other people for running late. Wherever Alan is, you know, he about ran over me this morning. We were both moving on pretty good trying to get here by nine. What happens as... Brother Carl said last night, you know when we bump our head on the cabinet door, we do those things? Do we live quietly and peacefully enough to even ask the question? Because what do children have time for? Lots of what? Questions. What do y'all struggle with? What do y'all get tired of people asking you? I tell my wife, do not ask me another question. I've had all the questions I can stand. I don't have answers for the others, so probably don't have them for those. What do we get tired of? Now then, look with me and let's read just a little further. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that is which to come. Is that not a double portion? 
What do all of us want? But do you know how to have it? There's only one way to have it. And how is that? To exercise godliness. Now then, let's look in in chapter 6 for just a minute. In verse 1, and we'll conclude here. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. That they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. This is an important verse. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Do you know what we're bad to give? Bad counsel. How many of us hear of a difficult or a bad situation Men were the worst. What do we do? I wouldn't let that happen anymore. I would stop it. Right? Let's go back to Matthew. What did he say if someone went to strike you? Not whack and then not. Right? That's not conventional wisdom, is it? Now, this is what the Lord taught. This is sound doctrine. What do we really struggle with? How many of us have a desire to make servants out of others? If you'll go home and check with your children, do you know what they'll tell you? Moms, you're the worst. Dads, you're the second worst, okay? Moms do things for kids because they what? Love them. And if it's done out of that, that's great. I'm the lazy parent. I'd rather do it myself and it be done correctly than have to come back and get someone to redo it. What does it say I'm interested in making? A ruler or a servant? Y'all are stumped again. Next year, can we get some parents to come, Alan? Will you try to get me some? Okay, that's good. Which is it easier to do? Things are self or to teach others to do them as a servant. Doing ourselves is so much easier. But what is the long term? What was he wanting Timothy to learn to do? Serve. Think of all the things he told him to do. What was it about? What do we all want to hear? Well done, my good and faithful servant. You'll have to serve. Guess, what, guess who you have to serve? Bad masters, good masters, fair, unfair. Is that not what the Lord dealt with? So if we want to be godly, what do we have to do? We have to serve. Now let's look at just a couple more verses here. If we do not teach this doctrine, which is according to godliness, know this. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth. And I'm not sure that we even know what all that means, even if we understand a lot of things. That's just a lot of bad stuff, is it not? 
Look what he says. Destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Can y'all think of a nation that is more condemned on this verse than the United States of America? Do you know what we look for? What others have and what I have. And do you know what we think? The godlier you are, the better and the more you have. Do y'all hear a little bit of Jewish culture coming out there? The Lord came to find these women that were at the well. What were they doing? Serving someone. Do y'all remember Rebecca? What was she doing? She was taking care of those sheep. What will the Holy Spirit empower you to do? Do you know why we don't forgive? We try to do it in and of ourselves. We don't go to our Father and say, Father, I need your help to forgive. And if we don't, guess what we can't do? Forgiveness is not natural. Now, let's look just a little further. But godly, he also tells them to withdraw from such, withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Not just godly, but godly how? You know, we can do the will of the Father and not be content doing it. Don't we have lots of parables about the kingdom of heaven where there are sons who are not content content to do the will of the Father? Who are the ones that are elevated? The ones whose hearts were toward the Father. We, We... Think about the, 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 the parable about the prodigal son. How did, what was his heart when he got back? Do y'all remember his heart? He was thankful to be where? Back with his father. He knew being a servant in his father's house was better than what? All that he had experienced. How did the Lord Jesus Christ learn obedience? It's back to the what. So we can serve, but not serve how? With contentment. Have you all ever been around someone who was serving without contentment? Well, thankfully, I've never been that way. So, but I have been around some people like that, okay? Look at this last part. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Do y'all know what the Lord Jesus Christ was content with? Food and raiment. What did he not have? How many of us could be content like that? Most of us would be concerned about what we had lost. But do you remember what Paul said about all that he had gained? It was his dung that he might know what? Intimacy. 
intimacy with the Father. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We praise you that in your word you have told us how to be like you. Father, you have told us this parable about forgiveness. When we arrive in your kingdom, Father, there will be no place for unforgiveness. We'll be dealing with it some other place. Because in your kingdom are those who have taken on your character and who have been conformed to your image. Help us to give diligence to being godly. Help us to pray in light of things that would give us the opportunity in quietness and stillness to watch your hand work. We thank you for the privilege we've had to be with those that we love and that we are, have kindred spirit and heart with. We pray that you would strengthen us as we've considered your word and help us to be godly men and women with contentment. Amen.